Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. And I'm Justin Ruderman. And we're recording this directly after the U.S.'s 4-1 win in Honduras, thanks to second-half goals from Anthony Robinson, Ricardo Pepe, Brennan Aronson, and Sebastian Legette. Justin, it was a disaster of a first half, um, but... The subs were able to turn the game around. What's your instant reaction on what is a huge three points for the USA? Incredible. I mean, yeah, it was a disaster first half. It was a disaster first five halves to start this World Cup qualifier window, and one half has really salvaged it, uh, coming out with five points at the end of the World Cup qualifying window. Is, you know, not exactly what we were aiming for, I'm sure, but definitely better than what we were thinking coming into this game. So, you know, I will take it. It's going to be a much more upbeat episode than it would have been had the had the scoreline stood from halftime. Um, but you know, it, it's good. Ricardo Pepe is, I mean, he he really saved Greg Berhalter's job on this one. He created. I mean, he has two assists. He scores a goal, and I mean, he he almost scored the fourth. But uh, you know, his rebound was what Legette scored off of. So he was involved in all four goals. He also started that first one, which people will debate on his assist. So, I mean, he, he was really involved in these goals and um, I mean, a really impressive performance, his first international cap at 18 years old. I don't think we can really say enough about him. What are your, what are your reactions straight after the game, Garrett? Yeah. I was just going to say like, you could not ask for a better debut and he really is in the form of his life. Cause he's been absolutely banging in the goals in MLS for Dallas. Um, I, we were both giving Greg Berhalter a lot of stick, both in our text messages to each other and on Twitter. Um, but I do have to say the substitutions he made at halftime really changed the game. Obviously, switching back to the four back from a five at the back, which I still don't understand why we even tried that from the start um, against a team that we are objectively more talented than. Um, and so um, when Anthony Robinson came on and, and played left back and was bombing forward and uh, Brennan Aronson, I thought was really, really good, obviously scored, was involved in goals. Um, so I, I think Greg did a good job kind of correcting his mistakes. Should he have made those mistakes in the first place? No, I really don't think so. I think he could have avoided that disaster of a first half if, if he hadn't done what he did, but, but he fixed it well. The response of the team was really good. Um, and yeah, that second half performance, we, we were just deadly um, in the final third. On XG, we, we really didn't win it by much. Um, but the fact of the matter is they only put away one chance. We basically put the ball in the back of the net almost every time we went forward in that second half. Honduras's back line just couldn't deal with Aronson, obviously with, Pep, with Pepe. Um, so yeah, it's a huge, huge three points. I mean, the difference between two and five at, at this stage, even three and five, is absolutely massive. Um, when in, in World Cup qualifying in 2017, we had three points after the first three games. We we lost the first two, and then and then we beat this same Honduras team six nil. Um, but I think having that five, those two extra points, it's, it's a really big deal. And still having the confidence of being unbeaten, not having lost yet. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it, you're really right that it's one half salvaging this whole World Cup qualifying window um, and actually putting us in, in what is quite a decent position going forward, especially considering we've only played one game at home and two on the road, which means we'll have one extra home game um, going forward. 
So yeah, I, I think it's a big sigh of relief. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just, thank God that we turned that around. It's only the yeah. third time that the U.S. have come back from losing at halftime to win a game in World Cup qualifying. There, I think there were 28 previous instances. And, and yeah, so it, it's a remarkable result. And uh, really just thank God for that. Yeah, I think uh, Paramount Plus was giving that stat repeatedly. Behind at half, we were, what, 1-6-33 and 33 or something like that in World Cup qualifying? Um, yeah, just just horrendous. Um, but so it's, it's incredible to see this result. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, Berhalter really saved um, the start with, with his halftime substitutions. I mean, Anthony Robinson comes on and scores a goal within a couple minutes, you know? So... I think that that that's true, but I think he also, you know, obviously needs to be questioned. Why are we, you know, starting a five back and just, I don't think five back is necessarily the issue. You know, a five back can be very attacking, but it it's the thing that we're switching away from our normal four, three, three in a, in a must win game. And, you know, the players aren't comfortable. And beyond that, when you look at the lineup, I mean, there were really yeah. three attacking players starting this game. The rest of them were all defensive-minded players. So you're starting James Sands, who's a center back at center defensive mid, which he can play. You're mm-hmm. starting Tyler Adams, who is a center defensive mid. You're playing him at right wing back. And then when we switched to a four, he's still playing right back. It took 75 minutes for him to get into his natural position at the six. I, I still don't understand that. Um, he was clearly struggling with his positioning. Uh, but... I don't know. There were, there were just things where I was like, I, I'm not sure what Burr is doing here. I tweeted out before the game. I, I can't tell you uh, what formation we're going to play. It obviously turned out to be that three, four, three, um, you know, or, or back five, however you want to call it. But it was, it was interesting to see that first half and, and uh, very deflating, obviously that first goal. So uh, it, yeah, turning around was, was huge. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Tyler Adams has played right wing back um, a lot for Leipzig, but that does not mean it's his best position, which I think we know, especially for the U.S., it's not. Um, I also think, yeah, I agree. When you're playing that five back, you need two center mids that you're really confident in. I am not confident in James Sands. And and Kellen Acosta was all right in the second half, but I also thought he really struggled in the first half. Um, We just couldn't control the ball. It was so disjointed. Honduras had the vast share of possession. They were completely dominating the game. We didn't have a shot on target in the first half, which I think tells you all that you need to know. But I saw a tweet basically right after Anthony Robinson scored and said, oh, wow, look at what happens when the U.S. decide to actually go after teams that are less talented than them instead of, you know, being reserved. And, yeah, I I think we don't know how to play in a five-back. We haven't done it before, especially with so many key players missing. It's just common sense to stay with that 4-3-3. And eventually um, we figured that out. Greg figured that out. But, yeah, I, I agree you know, shouldn't, shouldn't have taken him that long. We should have played much better from the start, but really happy with the resilience of the team. So I think, yeah, I think, yeah. And I think you bring up a great point is that we are without a lot of star players. And I think that, you know, it kind of goes under the radar because we, we expect to win still. And we do have, you know, pretty good depth at this point. Um, But, but I mean, you know, we lost Gio Reyna in the first game. We lost where we never had Zach Steffen, um, you know, he, he came in with back spasms originally and then got COVID. Yeah. So he's been out the entire time. We just lost uh, Dest in the last game. We lost McKinney due to, you know, non-injury related issues. 
and then Pulisic again uh, or in this game. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of injury issues to key key players that you know we we fought through to win this game, and I think that I mean I've been calling for Pepe. Um, since I, I wanted him to start the Canada game or at least get some minutes in that game um, to prepare him for this game. Clearly he was fine without that preparation, yeah. Yeah. but, um, but yeah, I was, I was hoping for him and, you know, without all these players going down, who knows if he would have even got the start um, Sergeant obviously still played. He played on the wing when he's a natural striker, not that he can't play on the wing, but I, I think he's best in a, in a two striker formation where he can, you know, play off that main striker. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's also one other thing that we do have to credit Berhalter with is when he was making those halftime substitutions, he had the choice between Sargent and Pepe, and he could have easily taken off the 18-year-old. It's not like he did that much in the in the first half, it, first game. You know, it's quite a big occasion for him. Obviously, he did end up stepping up, and I think taking off Sargent, who really didn't have much of an influence in the game, and leaving Pepe on turned out to be just a fantastic decision, um, obviously. Um and so, like, my first thoughts when, when Pepe headed in what ended up being the winner was, does Josh Sargent put that away? And the answer is I'm not very confident that he would have. Absolutely not. I think that before, before this game, you know, we, we knew that Ricardo Pepe is the best natural finisher that the USMNT has. He just is. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he that does. he should be our number nine. The questions around him were, can he fit into the USMNT system flawlessly? Can he perform in a big moment at 18 years old? I don't think those questions are there anymore. And that's why I believe Ricardo Pepe should be our number nine going forward. I know he's 18, but he, he is going to continue to improve. I assume he'll be going to Europe very soon. Um, and, and you know, on that point, you know, MLS players really saved us. Obviously, Aronson just moved on from MLS, but uh, Legette obviously scoring at Ricardo Pepe. And, you know, just, I mean, Anthony Robinson is not an MLS player. Yeah, but, I was going to say, you know, don't forget about former Evertonian Anthony Robinson. Well, none of those, but none of those players, even, even the ones who are not in MLS, none of them are top five leagues. That says something. I mean... We have, we have depth everywhere, and, and just because we have those star players that do play in those top five European leagues now that we've all, you know, as USMNT fans are excited to see them be playing at Chelsea, Juve, Barca, etc. It's the players that are not in those top five leagues that really saved us. Yeah, and, and um, I think on, just on the topic of Pepe going to Europe, I, I'd be very surprised to see him still playing in MLS next season. I think he'll, he could finish out the season with Dallas and then we'll see from there, but um, it could be kind of a, or, I mean, it could, to be fair, be a, an Aronson type situation where he gets acquired and then ends up finishing out the season. Like he could even, I mean, I guess the transfer window is closed now, but you could see him move in January once the season's over. Um, and like, he's obviously incredibly talented, only 18. He's going to outgrow MLS very quickly. Um, been banging in the goals, so yeah. Do you think he should be? Do you think he should be the USMNT number nine going forward? I mean, I don't think you drop him in the next window. I think you play him again and you see what. I mean, it's only been one game, so I'm not going to say right. he should be starting at the World Cup yet. I, I think if he can, no, 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 no. yeah, just if, going forward yeah. at this moment. If for the next for the next World Cup qualifying window, I, I think after that performance and the way that he just completely transformed that game and basically saved our entire World Cup qualifying uh, campaign almost single-handedly, I think, yeah, he's got to start the next game and we'll see how he does from there. We'll see. I'm really excited to see him link up with Gio Reyna and, you know, having, having front the Pulisic, Pepe, Reyna. Oh, I can 
That is tasty. I am ready for that. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is I still, we both strongly disagreed with Burhalter's decision to bring on Roldan for Pulisic instead of Conrad De La Fuente, who is just more talented than Roldan. And in that kind of situation, it's not like Roldan, Roldan did anything wrong when he was on the pitch. But no, he I won just the think, ball back for the fourth goal. Yeah, he did. But, but De La Fuente is, is the kind of player, you know, assuming that you're not going to be banking on Ricardo Pepe having just the game of his life every time that he plays. I think De La Fuente is definitely a player who can influence a game and change a game and has that ability to beat a man, make something happen more than Christian rolled on. So I, I still, I still think, you know, it ended up not being a problem and Pepe stepped up and, you know, all is well, but I still think that, I, in that situation, I would still put on Conrad instead of rolled on 10 times yeah. out of 10. No, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I mean, the key part of it to me is, you know, Con- Conrad is obviously younger. He rolled on's more experienced, so I get that part. But yeah. Conrad is a natural winger. I mean, yeah. Roldan is not. Roldan is a midfielder, a 10 at best. He can play on the wing, but I, that's, not his, that's not his position. He's, he's a midfielder, a creative one potentially if, if on, a, on a good day. But... Conrad is a natural winger and one that is very, very direct, which is what we needed um, at the time. So I, I agree yeah, with you. It's a much more like-for-like replacement with Pulisic, like someone who can influence a game like that. And before Pulisic came off, he had a team-high 43 touches. Like he was involved in the game, and obviously things weren't quite panning out how he wanted them to in the final third. Um, I mean, he didn't have a lot of support, if we're being honest. Like. As Definitely you said, not. there were really only three attacking players on the pitch, and I think the five we have back to, was not helping that. Yeah, and I think we have to say, just, just to discuss it, is there anything to it? Christian Pulisic comes off at 1-1. We quickly score three goals to win the game. I mean... Ooh, we're getting into controversial territory here, Justin. Continue. I, you know, the, to, me, to me, there's nothing to it. Let me be clear. To me, there's nothing to it. Um, I don't think that you know, Christian's hogging the star, or he, you know, hogging the ball or, you know, they're trying to play to him too much or anything like that. But I did see talk about it. Um, and, and I saw people saying stuff, you know, oh, Pulisic off. He is, is he really the best player? Is he really the guy that carries us? I think he was trying to put our, uh, the USMT on his back at the beginning of this uh, second half. And I think that was clear. So I don't know, but I do think that, you know, it has to be brought up. I'm not sure, man. I, I don't know about that. I, I think, he, like, as I just said, he was the most involved player. We looked to him for a reason. Um, I, I think part of the reason that... The argument we, there would be he's the most involved player because they're trying to find the ball to, for him too much. I'm, I'm not saying that this is my opinion. I'm mm, playing devil's advocate here. Not too, not too much, though, because we had no outlet. Like there, was, like, there was no support. Like, he was the only player... He was the only out ball. Like, the reason he had so many touches is because he was the only one getting forward that we could find and he tried to carry the ball up and he didn't have any runners. Obviously that changed a bit once we switched formations and, you know, we were just liberated going forward. We were so much more dangerous in the second half. Um, and, but then we just put our chances away. Honduras had to come out at two, one, obviously. And that's, you know, where the final two goals came from. It's four, one is a very flattering scoreline. Um, like you look Absolutely. at the XG and it was only, 1.85 for the U.S. to 1.37 for Honduras. 
So it's not like, oh, Pulisic comes off, we scored three goals. Like, it's because Pulisic came off, Pepe scores a brilliant header, and the formation change helped us in, in scoring that goal. You know, Yedlin getting forward, whipping the cross in, great header from Pepe. And then Honduras had to come out, and that's where those final two goals came from, counterattacks. So... Yeah, no, that's, I agree with you. I think, I think the, the truth is that the change happened at halftime with the, with the three subs that were yeah. made and yeah, the change it, in formation. Not, it, I mean, yeah, that's, not that's where the big change off. came. We got yeah. the goal and then Pulisic came off and then we happened to see, you know, mm-hmm. the, the three goals after that, but it was just coincidence. The real change in my opinion did happen at halftime. So I don't think, you know, we should be calling Pulisic overrated or anything like that. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. Believe me, I saw some of it, so I just wanted to shut it down. I also thought Tyler Adams was actually really good tonight, um, despite the fact – obviously, first half, nobody was good, but in the second half, I thought he was fantastic. He was involved in the buildup in goals. He had that great through ball uh, to Pepe for the fourth goal, which legit ended up tapping in. Um, so I just wanted to say a quick note for uh, Tyler Adams. He played every single minute of World Cup qualifying – um, in this window. Well, that's, that's where I was saying earlier that I didn't think I didn't understand the right back, whether it be the right wing back or he moved back to the Orthodox right back. I didn't understand either of them because to, in my opinion, in the previous two games uh, against El Salvador and Canada, he was our best player in both of those games. Um, yeah. In my opinion, he, he was, you know, in that six making important tackles and, you know, without him, I don't know. We draw both of those games. So, yeah, I, 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 think Miles, I think Miles. I think Miles Robinson. I think Miles Robinson and Tyler Adams are were like the two most consistent performers. Um, before we move on, actually, one other thing I want to talk about is John Brooks. Man, what are you doing? Yeah, now, he has to, to be talked about. It, it's it's because it, the goal from Canada, the goal against Canada, Canada's goal um, from Kyle Aaron, that was Brooks being completely out of position too, and that one was a tap, and this one was a good finish on, on a diving header. But I mean, you see, Brooks is like jogging back. There's a man completely unmarked. Good finish with it's a good finish with nobody goals. around him. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, with nobody. I mean, it's just John Brooks, man. What are you doing? How are you so out of position? And then he doesn't really show any desire to get back. And it's twice that we've been ex- exposed from really simple crosses into the box, and it just Brooks just isn't there. He's nowhere to be found. And the fact that I was like. Thank God when I saw that he got pulled off at halftime because he was so bad and everyone knew that he was bad. I, I didn't think Berhalter would end up changing it, but I guess his performance was poor enough that even Berhalter couldn't ignore it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it again here. John Brooks no. is literally just standing like on the yeah, on he, the penalty spot. It's a disaster. He got bit. He's, what happened was he, he bit on the um, – on the ball in. So he stepped out about 25 yards out and, and tried to cut off the ball and it got passed by him. And he was just like, Oh, well it, it's by me now. And he turned around and it was, it was done for, he shouldn't have bit as a, as a center back there. So I, I re- I agree with you. And it's, it's the whole window. I mean, yeah, he wasn't in the first game, but he has not been good against Canada. He was not good against uh, today. Um, he got hooked obviously, because he was he was that bad, but I do think you know we have to say it's one window. He has been consistent for us in the past. He has been a leader in the back for us in the past. So I you know obviously think he should come back in the next window um, and you know get another chance to to redeem himself because I don't think that he's as bad as he showed this window. Um, and, and James Sands in in that center defensive mid position also was 
really horrendous in that first yeah. half, in my opinion. He was slipping all over the pitch. I mean, I understand it's not the best pitch, but he he was slipping all over the place, missing passes. I mean, he, I remember he let one just slide right under his foot. Yeah, I was going to say he couldn't. He, I tweeted at one point, James Sands, control the damn ball. Because there was like a one-minute span where he two passes right at him that he just completely miscontrolled and gave right back to Honduras, and they went and countered us. Um, just a quick question talking about just Brooks real quick. Like, what would your ideal starting center back partnership be at this point? At this point, I have Miles Robinson as a shoe in. I just don't think you drop him. Who are you putting next to Miles Robinson um, going forward? I think it still has to be John Brooks. I like, I know that he was bad, but I think he's still, you know, the, the most experienced guy. He can be the leader in this back that we need. Um, but I do think, you know, we have young players. Obviously, Mark McKenzie played tonight. He was there. I think Chris Richards is really a quality center back. Yeah. He's just young. Um, so I think that he, you know, him and Miles Robinson, I believe, could be the center back partnership of our future. But I don't think he's there yet. Um, I do think John Brooks should stay there for the time being. Uh, if he continues with these performances, obviously, that's going to change quickly, though. I think, yeah, if he, I mean, it wasn't just one bad game because he was also poor against Canada. But Absolutely. I mean, hopefully he can turn around. But if he does, no, it, was the, it was the window. Think, it was just, yeah, true. I mean, I still think you have to look at Walker Zimmerman, who was on the bench tonight, obviously had injury and is still coming back from that. But I, I do think he's a really solid just option off the bench. He's not going to set the world alight, but he just doesn't really make many mistakes at the back, former or the reigning MLS defender of the year even. So I, I think he's not a horrible backup should John Brooks um, continue in, in this poor form. And yeah, Chris Richards, think this might be just a bit too early for him, but I could be wrong considering that he's the same age as Ricardo Pepe and we saw what the latter just did in this game, but yeah, let's move on. Let's, let's talk about the MLS. Sorry. you have one more thing to say or no, I was just going to say, uh, it's, it's one of those things where we have so much depth at this point that we're having these conversations, which is great, but it, it is those pieces where we don't have a standout necessarily all the time. You know, like even at right back, we have right back is, you know, the position we have the most stepped in. Um, we have tons of players there, but I thought that Dest was our standout. After this window, I'm not so sure. Obviously, he got injured, but he, he wasn't performing great before that. Um, and, and there's a lot of people hot on his tail. So I do think depth is very good for this US 17 sh- squad. We showed that tonight with all the injuries. Um, but hopefully, we can get those standout players. And yes, with that, we should move on to uh, MLS, which you know happened over the weekend. So a few days ago, we wanted to wait till after this uh, US MNT game. But... Um, starting off on, on Friday, we can start off with the game that I was at actually, which is of course, LAFC versus uh, sporting Kansas city at the bank of California stadium in Los Angeles. Um, you know, this was a game that LAFC fans went into expecting absolutely nothing, obviously missing, missing a lot of players, uh, to international duty and to injury. Um, we couldn't even feel field in a full bench for this game. Um, we had five players on the bench, if I'm not mistaken, one of those yep. being a goalkeeper. Yep. So, I mean, we really couldn't feel the full b- b- bench, and that's with taking players from Las Vegas Lights USL affiliate. So it, it was a game that LFC fans didn't expect much going against SKC, one of the best teams uh, in the Western Conference and in MLS who were only really missing uh, Daniel Shaloy uh, as a top player. So they weren't you know, that depleted. 
and they had Polito, they had Johnny Russell, they have all their, you know, star players. So Tyree Shelton. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was a game that LAFC fans didn't expect to win. There was a lot of LAFC fans. I know even selling tickets because you know, we're going downhill, but it was the true LAFC fans who went to this game. It wasn't the most packed, but it was still extremely loud. It was a game that I will not forget. I mean, uh, you know, winning four nil obviously is a result that's huge, especially right after, you know, you scored your first, you had your first game with three goals in a season or this entire season. And then you have your first game with four goals this entire season, but following it up, um, Mamadou Fall is is the guy obviously yeah. that needs yeah. to be the standout. Um, you know, another another 18-year-old guy um who's who's standing out in MLS. We were just talking about Ricardo Pepe, who is an 18-year-old, you know, killing it in MLS, who's you know at a higher level than Fall. Obviously, Fall's just entering, but you know, a brace um scoring his first goal in MLS, uh, both off of headers. So he, he's providing that threat that LAFC have lacked in the air on set pieces. Um and he's, you know, solid in the back as well. No complaints there. So he's looking a talent. Uh, Christian Arango scoring again and At- Edward Atuesta uh, getting the late penalty to make it 4-0. Um, that was after a uh, red card for Roger yeah. Espinoza in yeah. the 58th minute. So that is important to mention. But, I mean, even without that, I mean, LAC really dominated this game from from start to finish it was it was a really impressive performance in my opinion um only 40 percent possession so it's not yeah. like you know dominating possession but dominating uh chances shots on target eight to four shots 15 to nine uh and just you know it was it was a quality performance from lafc and one that you know i know the bob in people are very very excited about so were, were you watching this game garrett I did not watch this game. I remember I was actually out that night, Friday night, right? And uh, yeah. you texted me saying it was 2-0. And I said, oh, who scored? And you said, fall. And I said, both? And you said, yes. And I was like, no way. We're talking about an 18-year-old <laughs> center back. Obviously, he had a goal disallowed at uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Atlanta yep. United. Uh, questionably disallowed, I may add. Um, but he came back and he scored twice. I mean, obviously, I think the Espinosa red card – Helps out a lot. Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure. You you obviously watch the game, but it does seem like yeah. uh, 4-0 maybe was a little bit flattering to LAFC, but obviously it was a huge bounce-back performance that you guys needed. Um, and the fact that you did it with the men that you did, I'm just looking at the lineup, and yeah, there's a lot of familiar faces not there. Bryce Duke in the, in the lineup, Jennings in the lineup, just quickly on Bryce Duke, he was absolutely fantastic uh, in this game. He was just creating uh, all over the pitch. Uh, uh, Ball Duke was going around uh, LAFC Twitter as, you know, Ball Duke is incredible. He was just, you know, killing it because he shaved his head. So <laughs> it was it was one of those it was one of those games. I mean, he was really, really, really good. Um, so, it, yeah, definitely impressive, though. Two two young guys impressing. I've liked fall for a while. So, I mean, sorry, I've liked uh, Duke for a while. Uh, fall is a new one, but yeah, he, uh, he, he was really, really good. So I think with that, we'll go on to talk about my team, which is the earthquakes who played on Saturday, lost one nil thanks to a late Dominic Badgie goal for the Colorado Rapids for the Rapids. It's a huge result fires them up into second place um, with, I believe it's two games in hand. 
uh, no, one game in hand over Seattle, but they're now above Sporting Kansas City, who we obviously just talked about, and they have two games in hand over Kansas City. But, um, I mean, if Colorado win their next game, their game in hand, they will take first place in the Western Conference, which is really big. They've been just fantastic as of late. Um, it, it's a disappointing loss for us. We had some really good chances, um, but we just couldn't put it away in the final third. You know, it's been a very common story for the earthquakes this season but i mean it's a it's a it's a road win that colorado we're going to be really happy about um they had five shots on target to our two so out out played us in general i mean it was a pretty even even on possession um so yeah it's a disappointing loss for us ends our unbeaten run which had been going for quite a while now but um yeah, it's big for Colorado, really interesting in the in the playoff race and to see if they can actually stay this high, finish this high, because they've been making a real surge. I don't think anybody would have seen Colorado being top of the Western Conference after 22 games should they win their game in hand. So big result for them. Um, Justin, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think that, you know, what you're saying about Colorado is extremely accurate. They're they're one of those teams in MLS that you never expect to be at the top of the standings. Um, so seeing them there is very interesting. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of MLS fans are going to be curious to see what they do in playoffs since, you know, that is really what matters um, in MLS, unfortunately, but we won't get into that. Um, but yeah, I think the playoff race is um, extremely interesting. Obviously, it hurts San Jose to lose that game yeah. but you know i feel i feel for i feel for the quakes fans on this one it feels like uh just one of those games that lafc has dealt with those late you know dagger goals um we i've dealt with a lot of those this year so i i feel you on that one but yeah um going into that playoff race i mean it's it's very interesting in the west obviously portland kept pace um by winning rsl as well also won three to two yeah. So those were huge wins for them to keep them in the playoff race uh, or in playoff spots. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting close. LAFC, obviously a huge win to keep them in the, in the race. Uh, back yeah. You guys, place. Le- you leapfrogs a, a point above us now because of that. Not yep, happy Van- about it. Vancouver also won in Austin. So really, I mean, Portland, RSL, Vancouver, LAFC from six to nine, all won this week when they really needed it. That's um, so bad for us, for the yeah. Quakes. That's so bad. I mean, at least Dallas lost, who are right behind us. But, like, still, man, everyone we're competing against for that final, you know, one or two playoff spots, picking up a, a huge three points. Um, and, and then, obviously, yeah, late dagger goal was not a great week to be a Quakes fan. But hopefully we'll be able to uh, bounce back next week against uh, Dallas on Saturday. I'm hoping Ricardo Pepe does not start because I am absolutely terrified of him. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we'll see about that one. That's, that's a good point. But yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we were mentioning Colorado and, and going to first, but there's really not a supporter shield race. I mean, New England's running away with this in the East. They're so uh, they, good. They, I mean, they, they won with a red card this week. I mean, obviously they scored before the red card was given, but I mean, they still held on with 10 men, one zero win. I mean, that's, that's the type of win that, you, you know, a, a good team does. I new England is a scary team, a scary team. And they've been, a, you know, Carlos heel has been injured this year. They've, they've dealt with some things, but you know, really, really impressive from them. So uh, the, the Eastern conference playoff race, we should mention, uh, we do focus on the Western uh, conference a lot because we are on the West coast, obviously. And we both uh, follow teams on the West coast, but 
the Eastern yeah. Conference is is also very interesting. Yeah, I was just going to say, going back to Carlos Hill, I was seeing some talk on Twitter the other day about, mm, you know, Carlos Hill doesn't have to stick around in MLS for that much longer to get uh, American citizenship. So uh, that that's something to keep your eyes on, I suppose. He's been brilliant leading the league in assists. He's, he is by far the MVP front runner right now. Um, I guess I, I'd say his re- only real competition at the moment is, is Raul Ruiz Diaz, who's obviously been banging them in for Seattle, as he always does. But yeah, um, New England just running away with the supporter shield. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see if they can keep this up in the playoffs. Um, obviously this is their first year kind of returning to dominance. Um, they were decent last year under Bruce arena, but, um, yeah, they've been fantastic. Um, but also, yeah, we look at the, like the bottom half of, of the playoff spots in the Eastern conference and, you know, you have fifth through, uh, 10th only separated by six points. So it's still, you know, anyone's game for kind of six and six and seven spots on in both the East and West are complete toss ups at this point. So it, you know, very, very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible to see, I I, just looking at it, the one team that is like, why are they even there is Columbus. I mean, they've had a really, really poor season and they're still in the playoff race. They lost three, two in a, in a thriller to Orlando city. Um, uh, who you know orlando city went up two nil columbus came back to level it and then uh orlando city uh junior urso you know finished it off with uh, a really banging goal to make it three two you know showing that resilience for orlando city and just as a side note that daryl dk goal um was the first uh who, who i believe should be uh, in the u.s madden's national team i think he's fantastic yeah um that first goal that he scored was that, that was, was yeah textbook textbook dk wasn't it just bodying the defender and absolutely in the back of the net um yeah i mean columbus so it's a big it's a pretty big loss for them actually because you look at the teams around them and they all have games in hand um it's been really surprising to see their fall off especially when they have you know the players who are as quality as they are you know they have in my opinion top five best player in the league and Lucas Ryan obviously hasn't been as productive this year, but scored that insane free kick in hell is real just uh, last week or a week and a half ago, I suppose. And uh, yeah, so real down year for the reigning MLS cup champs. But I think with that, we will move on to a preview for game week four of the Premier league. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to start talking about City versus Leicester, obviously Justin being a City supporter, and we'll throw out a score for that. But I thought it would be fun, Justin, if we go through the Premier League Pick'em games and uh, preview each of these five games, the NBC Sports Premier League Pick'em. It's a $50,000 jackpot. I doubt either of us will be winning it, but we'll go through the games. We'll uh, give our score predictions, talk about, you know, just preview the game uh, in itself. Um, but we'll start with City versus Leicester at the King Power Stadium. Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts going into this one? Yeah, obviously, um, obviously, I am a City fan, but still, I think you know this is uh, objectively the best game of the week, biggest game of the week. Yeah, definitely. Um, Community Shield rematch, obviously. So, I would like to get some revenge for that loss. But you know, we'll see. Um, it's going to be interesting. I we still don't know if the Brazilian players will be. Uh, you know, eligible to play right now. They're, they're banned by FIFA. Yeah. Premier it League seems, is, it, it is still debating like that. Not likely. It doesn't seem likely. Correct. Um, which means Ederson will be out. Zach Steffen is obviously also out with COVID. So it's looking like Scott Carson will be starting Green. a goal. For Come on, Western Scott. City. Yeah. What, so, that's going to be so fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a city fan. That is. 
Oh man. But yeah, um, we'll see. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. And then uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden have both returned to training. So we will see whether they can make the bench or potentially even the starting 11. We'll see what Pep decides on that um, as well as the doctors. So I'm excited for this one. Uh, obviously the international break has ended and we are returning to club football, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can get a win here, uh, but it's, it's, it's another tough test. Yeah. I think one thing also to watch is, is Ferran Torres played a lot of international football this break for Spain. I think he played two nineties and a 60 minutes in, in a game in the middle in the in their second game. He scored today against uh, Kosovo really well taken finish, but I think it'll be interesting to see if Pep decides to rest him or, or throws him in at striker or what he's going to do at striker. Um, I think I could speak for you saying that you don't want to see Jesus back in there. Um, you'd much rather see him on the wing. So that'll be interesting to see how he kind of manages those minutes because Ferran has been playing a lot of football recently. But yeah, Justin, I, I will throw out a score prediction. I'm going to go for an entertaining 2-2 draw. Wow. That would be entertaining. Um, I'm going to go similar uh, but I'm going to, you know, maybe a little bit city bias. I'm going to go 2-1 city. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I think we'll concede a goal. We're not having, you know, we, we have Scott Carson in a goal. Not that he's a bad yeah. keeper, but, you know, and, and Leicester are a good team. I think that they can, you know, Vardy's obviously a top striker, and Iannaccio, if he plays, is in, in top form. So And they're, they're think... really deep. They're, re they're a really deep team when you look at it, especially with their summer signings of Sumare, and they have Pats and Daka on the bench as yeah, well. Yeah, but as I, you, feel like, you feel like Pats and Daka might, you know, get a little bit pushed out there. and Because and, behind Vardy and Iannaccio, he's the third-choice striker then. Yeah. As a summer signing, I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit questionable business and questionable for Pats and Daka for his career. We'll see. 20, 27 million pounds. It's not like he was cheap. Yeah, exactly. But it's really interesting because I'm looking at their their team sheet against Norwich and, and they kind of played James Madison almost as like a second striker, which I, I just, why would you do that when you have Iannaccio and Pat Duck on the bench? It's like they have these two backup strikers who are starting quality for, you know, a lot of teams in this league and they're both sitting on the bench. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I'm going 2-2, you're going 2-1. With that, let's move on to the return of Cristiano Ronaldo to Old Trafford. It seems like he will start the match because in the game against Ireland, when he scored twice in stoppage time to get three points for Portugal in World Cup qualifying, he took his shirt off meaning he received a yellow card and therefore a suspension for yellow card accumulation, meaning he returned back to England early. Um, he's been training. He, he was back in training for the first time earlier this week. Um, he could be returning, you know, could be starting. I think he'll at least come off the bench, at least. But I would not be surprised to see him start. It is Cristiano Ronaldo. He plays a stupid amount of games considering that he's 36. Um, and they're playing Newcastle at home, and, and we kind of know what's going to happen here. Um, I'd be very surprised to see anything other than, honestly, I, I think United are going to win this one pretty heavily. Newcastle have not started well. They only have one point from their three games, um, and, and that came last week against Southampton when they, when they threw – well, I guess not last week, two weeks ago against Southampton when they threw away three points by uh, giving away a penalty to James Ward-Prowse, who quite simply does not miss from 12 yards out. So I think on this one, I'll just throw out my score now. 
I'm, I'm going to go four nil to United and, and I think Ronaldo will score at least once. It's just the writing is on the wall. It's just going to happen. You know, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I expect him to start, honestly. Uh, I just, Ole as a manager, I don't think he brings him off the bench and I do think he plays. So inherently I think he starts. Um, and yeah, probably probably scores against Newcastle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously the only reason anybody cares about this game is Ronaldo because I think we all know what the result is going to be. Um, we all expect, you know, a, a United win comfortably. So it will be exciting to see Ronaldo. Uh, I'm a little salty, um, but as a city fan, but that's fine. <laughs> of course. That's Next fine. up we have a, uh... let me, let me give my prediction. Oh yeah. yeah sorry. What's your score prediction? I forgot. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I don't think it'll be quite a walloping as four nil. I'm going to go two nil. Two nil. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have an early relegation six pointer. It's 19th place Norwich against 20th place Arsenal. Oh man. I'm half joking. I'm half joking. Okay. Obviously more it's than not half. A... Yeah, okay. No, I don't think Arsenal are going to be in a relegation battle. I don't think they're that bad. <laughs> But I like this. It, I like the lead up, though. I like it. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good joke. Like it's called. You got to banter. You know, I know quite a few Gunners fans, and and you know, I gotta gotta banter them while I can. But uh, it, this is gonna be a really interesting game. Um, Norwich really need a result here. I think if they don't get a result here, they are in really big trouble. Um, the game is at the Emirates, which makes it really tough for them. Arsenal. There are no excuses. They have to win this game. It's, it's Norwich at home. Like, they have to win this game. Um, so, I, I think they will. Um, I'll just throw out, I'm going to go 2-0 Arsenal. Wow. Yeah, I, I, uh, I actually agree with you. Um, I, well, I, not on the score, but I agree with you that Arsenal are going to come out and, and obviously need this win, but I think they're going to come out and get it. Uh, I just think they're going to be extremely motivated to get this win. We talked about uh, in our previous episodes, you know, they obviously have not had a good start, but it's, you know, played city played Chelsea. Um, everything was, was lined up against them uh, at Brentford. Obviously they lost that as well, but I, I think they come back and I think they win this game. Um, I think that they're going to play a little bit attacking against Norwich. I think that they're just not going to, um, because they're just going to try and score goals. I know that, you know, it's just a feeling I have. So that's why I'm going 3-1. Okay, I going think they're going to score. one to Arsenal. Yeah, so same, same goal difference. Win by two is the same as you. But I think that, you know, they're going to get um, – I almost went 2-1. But I think that they're going to get that third goal. I think they're going to, you know, really, really show that they're not really in a relegation battle. I think that's what they're going to show. Yeah. Okay, so should Norwich somehow – pull off a victory here. Do you think that would be the end of Arteta's reign at Arsenal? No. I said it last episode, and I'll say it again. I think you need to wait until after the uh, Spurs game, the North London Derby, but that would obviously be a huge strike against him in those three games because um, yeah. I think, I think yeah. he needs you know probably seven points at least from those three games. Um, six, six might do it. But anything five five I don't know. So well, that's that's what I'm thinking. And obviously, he's losing a game to Norwich is a huge strike against him. But I don't think he gets sacked after that game, even if they lose. 
I think. I mean, it's a, a it's a huge it's a huge if. Obviously, losing to Norwich is is going to take some. Uh, but it's a good question. Yeah, but I mean, my thought honestly, I think if they draw against Norwich, then he's really got to be on the hot seat, like a result away. I think if they lose against Norwich, he's got to go. You can't lose against Norwich at home especially after the start they've had and, you know, just how bad they were in general last season. Like yeah, they were a little better t- towards the end, but it's the first time they finished outside of, or they, the first time they haven't played in Europe in God knows how long. I mean, the only reason they were playing in Europe last season is that they won the FA cup. Cause it's back to back eighth place finishes. I don't think they'll finish that high this year. Um, if they, you know, especially if they keep Arteta, I think even, even if they don't, I, I still don't see them finishing much higher than that. But, yeah, it was just a fun hypothetical. We'll go to um, Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea are hosting Aston Villa. Um, I think this will actually be a pretty entertaining game. Um, Obviously, Chelsea... are in fourth right now. They obviously had that that draw at Anfield where they were battling with just 10 men. Um, You know, obviously... We said Leicester City on paper, the best game of the weekend. I, I honestly do think this might be the second best because um, Villa are a decent side. Obviously, they've had problems defensively, um, but they have a lot of talent in the squad now with Buendia scoring a great goal last week and obviously Danny Ng's bicycle kick the week before that and whatnot. Um, so I'll, I'll let you go first on your score for this one. Switch it up a little bit. What are you thinking? I like it. Yeah, I do think that... You know, Villa have a good squad, and obviously, you know, Ings is a great, and we've, we've talked a lot about them. But they haven't had the best start to the season when you look at it. No. And, you know, it, maybe it hasn't clicked yet. Maybe it's going to take some time. So I think uh, Chelsea 2-0 here. I think it's going to be, you know, Chelsea are going to, you know, play their normal way and just get it, – it might look a little bit comfortable. It might seem like they're not doing that much because I don't think Villa will create – you know, the most chances, I don't think it'll be, you know, the most attacking game either way. I think there will be fewer chances than other games. Um, not to say I don't think it'll be an entertaining game because, like I said before, I agree it's the second best game of the week. But I do think um, it'll be a little bit more defensive because Chelsea will dictate that way. So I think 2-0 is the way that it'll go. Okay, I'm, I'm actually going 3-1 to Chelsea. I just think Villa have not been great defensively thus far. Obviously conceded three at Vicarage Road on the opening day of the season. And then last week conceding against Brentford at home. And they could have conceded another one as well. There was another big chance, um, which they got away with. Um, but then, so my, my kind of thought is I think Chelsea will go up. I think Chelsea will go 3-0 ahead and then Villa will score a goal in garbage time. That's my prediction. But yeah, I think we both foresee Chelsea really dictating this game. Um, well, actually, it, what is an interesting story is Lukaku has picked up a bit of an injury. Um, I don't know if we have the results back from that scan yet. He may or may not start. I think either way, yeah, Chelsea are going to pick up the victory in this game. Um, and then we'll go to... Um, to Ellen Road, where Leeds will be hosting Liverpool. Um, this is also a really good game. Um, just, I mean, and, and of course, every single Leeds game is entertaining because it's Leeds. But <laughs> um, I'll let you go first on this one, too. What are your thoughts on kind of the matchup between, you know, heavy metal football with Klopp and Bielsa's murder ball? Yeah. I mean, as you said, Leeds are always an entertaining game. And in my opinion, it's 
they're very entertaining when they're playing top sides. They play differently. They they really go all out against top sides, which you will not see from pretty much mm-hmm. anybody else in the Premier League uh, against against the top six. Um, they really go out. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be including Arsenal right now, but um, <laughs> but but no, seriously. I mean, against Liverpool, against City, I mean, no team besides Leeds is going all out against those two teams. Um, because it's so dangerous. It's just so dangerous to leave yourself open defensively. Um, but it's it's entertaining to watch, and I will never complain watching uh, Bielsa attack a Liverpool team or a City team, even if, well, maybe if they're beating City. But um, but yeah, I think it's going to be uh, very exciting. I do think Liverpool will still win um, because I think they're obviously a better team, and I think that they will thrive on that open play. I think it's good for them just as it is for Leeds, um, which is why it's problematic for Leeds to do that against the big sides. So uh, yeah, three, one is, is my score prediction. Three, one Liverpool. I've gone very similarly, but I'm kind of rooting for a little bit more chaos. I think Ellen road will definitely be up for this game. I've gone with three, two to Liverpool. Um, I don't think they've been fantastic defensively, to be honest. Um, Obviously, that red card on Reese James kind of helped them, you know, not really have to deal with much attacking threat in the second half against Chelsea. But I thought they were very fortunate not to concede in their first two games against Norwich and Burnley, who are not exactly inspiring teams going forward. So I, I, I can definitely see Leeds snatching a couple goals here on the counter. Liverpool are kind of notorious for conceding goals on the counter, especially last season. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think Liverpool will have too much quality for Leeds, and you, I agree, you know, Leeds like to come at top-quality teams, which a lot of the time can burn them just because of that said quality and being able to take advantage of, of the space that Leeds leave behind, which, you know, other teams don't necessarily do as effectively. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a really good game here. I've gone 3-2 for Liverpool. And we'll move on to the final game um, that we're going to talk about here, which is my beloved Everton hosting Burnley at home. Um, quite simply for me, this is a, a must-win game. We actually lost against Burnley last season thanks to a Dwight McNeil stunner, um, which I, he better not replicate after we were trying to sign him this summer. Um, uh, Calvert-Lewin came off injured in our last match, um, but it, it seems like he should be okay. He was actually playing. I don't know if you know this, Justin, but he was actually playing with like a broken toe in the first two games of the season, which is a bit mental. Um, but he didn't go to go to international break with England. Um, he stayed in Liverpool recovering. So I think he should be playing. Um, ben Godfrey is supposed to be back, which I think is a huge, huge positive for Everton. I actually saw, I don't know if you saw my tweet earlier today, but I saw watching uh, TIFO football's most recent video about uh, like sprinters versus footballers and speed comparisons and whatnot. Ben Godfrey actually clocked the fifth fastest top speed in all of the Premier League last season, um, which I think is people don't really understand how fast he is. He's absolutely rapid. Um, so is he going to be starting over Keane this weekend? I, I sure hope so. Um, it, it is possible that it could it could be Keane and Godfrey and Mina might not be playing. I, I'm not sure. We'll see. It, I really hope that it's Mina and Godfrey. That's what I would do. But Michael Keane has played all three games thus far. Um, uh, all four even, because he, he played against Huddersfield as well. So, um, Was Mina on international duty? Um, I don't think so. I, don't, I think it, that was, that was – I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm not sure. I should know that, but I, I don't know. 
Um, I, I think that he w will be available, but honestly, don't take my word for that. Um, yeah. I was paying more attention to the Richarlison situation, which obviously you talked about um, the Brazilian players and not being able to play. <laughs> Richarlison actually is able to play because we let him go to not only the Copa America, obviously, but also we let him go play in the Olympics and the Brazilian FA uh, appreciate enough, uh, appreciate us enough for doing that, that they decided uh, that they won't ban him from playing just everyone else in the Premier League who refused to go link up with the team, which I think is pretty hysterical. Um, but I'll take it because we definitely need him. Burnley are, are a tough team to break down. So what, without any more uh, procrastinating here, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Everton home win. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, just on the on the Brazilian thing, that's, that's lucky for you guys. Uh, uh, you know, Liverpool obviously going to be without Allison and Leeds are probably going to be without Rafinha. So that contributes to that last game we were talking about. And, and Fabinho about. for Liverpool as well. Yes. Yes, true. Um but yeah, as far as um, Everton, yeah, Mina was not on international duty, so you were correct okay. on that. Okay, good. And so he, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm actually going to one uh, Everton. I, I was going the one because I expected Michael Keane to start. If he doesn't start, you, who knows? But he's been good for <laughs> he's been he's been good for a goal mistake this season. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Oh, Michael Keane starting. Yep, Everton are conceding. Yeah, that that's kind of how the, the prediction was going because he's been good for a goal mistake. I mean, he's, you know, what two out of three games he's conceded a goal that are his fault. Yeah, I mean, I'd even say three because it was also uh, Huddersfield. He he did not play well either in, in the cup, but um, he's pulling yeah. a John Brooks, so he needs to pick it up. Yeah, I, he is pulling a John Brooks. That's a great way to put it. And with that, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That's U90Football. Uh, we will see you next week to recap this week's Premier League action. We'll see if any of our predictions were right. Justin, write down those predictions so we can go through them next week and see um, if, if we got any spot on. But everyone enjoy Premier League football being back. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.